We are now going to um, watch a short little um, message from Wouter, who is just going to explain the, the dynamics on um, mental health and emotional health as we work through this series of Live Well. Hi, Life Church. Here a quick message from me, uh, just to clarify something in our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series. As we talk about emotional health, uh, we want to just clarify that that is clearly distinct from mental health. And uh, the reason why we want to say that is that as we are getting uh, to grips with our inner beings and our hearts and what goes on underneath the surface, I think there's a lot of things that we can learn from that and learn how to grow in. At the same time, we want to acknowledge that uh, mental health uh, is also connected to emotional health, but separate in the sense that you could be suffering from uh, mental health illness and um, therefore just looking at what's going on in your heart and trying to live an emotionally healthy life doesn't necessarily mean that all the mental health issues are resolved as well. However, we do think that emotional health is a very important factor uh, uh, connected to mental health. So just to clarify that, I think we want to encourage everyone to get to grips and take time to grow emotionally healthy in their spirituality. At the same time, if you are struggling with mental health illnesses, you also need um, professional help, support that will look particularly at that aspect. So hopefully that will help uh, you to get to grips with this and clarify it a little bit more. We've had a few responses and I just wanted to respond to that and uh, bring some clarification to that. Brilliant. Thanks, Val. So that is really helpful. So thanks for, for making that video for us. Um, I'm now going to pass over again to Valta, who's going to continue in our series of Live Well. Um, it's been brilliant so far. So um, thanks, Valta, for, for spending your time planning this next message for us. Over to you. Well, thank you so much. I've got the privilege to continue our Live Well series. We're currently making our way through a book. It's called The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and it's written by Peter Cazero. And the strapline is, it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Now, I want to encourage you that in our lives as Christians, it's not about learning how to know more about God that will help us to become deeply changed disciples of Jesus. Yes, knowledge is important, but uh, we need to learn how to apply that knowledge into our hearts, into our very innermost beings. Now, last week, we've seen Wendy Mann taking us through the subject of grief and loss and how we can grow in our intimacy with God in seasons of grief and loss. And today we're going to be looking at receiving the gift of limitations. Now, I don't know about you, but limitations to me don't really seem like a gift. When I'm driving down the motorway, I don't really see the speed limits as a gift. I want to go faster. When I come to the end of my working day, I don't really see the hours that I've had as a nice limitation. I wish I could do more. I like to talk fast and finish other people's sentences because I don't like the limitations of time. Now, in this season, there's huge limitations in our lives. We are often not able to leave our house, not be able to do the things that we want to. And yet it's in seasons of limitations and learning how to receive these limitations as a gift from God that we can learn how to grow in our trust with God. Now in scripture, there's a wonderful story about learning how to grow in trust in God through limitations. And it comes through the life of Abram and Sarah. Now, if you have a Bible, why don't you turn to Genesis 12? Now, here Abram gets called, and it says in verse 1, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. 
I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and I will be and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Now Abram receives this huge promise that he would be the father of a family that would bless the whole earth. And yet it seems like the odds don't add up. Abram is 75 years old and he remains childless. It's this huge limitation on his life that seemed to make it impossible to receive God's promise. Now, back in that day, you would be considered cursed if you had no children. You had no one to pass your name on to and you had no one to pass your inheritance on to. And here is Abram living with this huge promise and yet greatly limited. Now, all of us have limitations in our lives. It might be the way we wired our personality, our physical bodies, our, our family of origin that determine our ethnicity and our country of birth and the culture that we grow up in. Our life situations, whether we're married, uh, not married, have kids, not have kids, single, uh, our intellectual capacity or emotional capacity, they all form limitations in our lives. And yet in the West, we don't like limitations. We like things to be bigger, faster and better. So often we can even draw that into the world of church. We like bigger churches, more successful churches, or those who have more bums on seats and, and more groups and more participants. But to be a disciple of Jesus and to be a successful church doesn't always mean to have more. It means to go deeper with God and to be obedient to what he has told us. And so often we become so passionate about the things that God has placed in our lives that we can end up doing the things of God without God. And this is a real sadness. You see, it's when we run after the things of God, it's not just about the what that we're chasing after, it's also the how. Now, the other day I was on a phone call, I was being put in a queue online, I was f waiting for an operator to come through and there was this song playing, it was called Lemonade, it was uh, uh, written by Circa Waves and it, and it has a line and says, and we're all drinking lemonade, we thought we'd be doing something great by now, by now. And that's when it struck me, I was listening to this song, waiting for an operator, seems like the most useless, fruitless time and uh, here I am listening to this song, we'll all be thinking we would be thought we'd be doing something great by now. Well, I'm sure Abram, age 75, thought he would be up to greater things rather than still waiting to receive a son. And I wonder about you, are there some things in your life that you feel like you're getting behind track with? Would you have hoped to have been married by now? Maybe have kids, maybe have your dream job finally fulfilled? All sorts of things that can make us feel like we're behind the curve. Well, what is it what we do in those seasons? Are we trying to push on and make things happen or will we wait on God? Well, we can see that Sarah comes up with a plan to try and push on. You can read in Genesis 16 that they've been waiting not for one, two, three, four, five, no, for 10 years after God's promise and nothing's happened. That's when Sarah starts to think, maybe we've gotten this all backwards. Maybe the promise was just for Abram and not for me. Maybe we need a creative business strategy meeting to try and resolve this issue in our lives. And she comes up with a solution. It says in Genesis 16 verse 1, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, 
The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. Now, at first, it seems this was a clever idea. It was a culturally very acceptable thing to do. If you couldn't have children, have a slave that would, do, that would bear your children. And at first, things really do seem to get better. They receive a son. Ishmael. But it soon turns out it doesn't bring them quite the happy family they had hoped. Hagar becomes proud, used to be a slave now, becoming the mother of Abram's child and there's conflict between her and Sarah that leads to all sorts of problems and ultimately Ishmael would be a problem birthed because Ishmael would become the forefather of the enemy of Israel, the true nation that would come out of Abram. Now so often in my life I have rushed ahead of God and birthed Ishmael's. I don't know about you, but often in seasons why I haven't spent time waiting on God, not embraced the limitations he's placed on my life, I've made things worse rather than better. I've charged ahead without him, trying to make something happen. And it's actually the limitations that God places in our lives that teach us trust. We can see it right at the very start in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. God planted a tree. The tree of knowledge of good and evil and he said do not eat from this tree you can eat from all the other trees and he placed a deliberate limitation in the middle of the garden why because he wanted Adam and Eve to trust him and obviously they broke that trust and things went downhill from there and when we fail to embrace the limitations that God has placed in our lives it's often out of a lack of trust a lack of trust in God when we come to the end of our working day wish we could have done more and we just push on for a bit longer we fail to trust God with the work that we have done when we go to sleep at night and we worry about things and we struggle to lay things down we we fail to trust God with the things that are running around in our heads it's so easy to try and run ahead of God rather than trusting him now God is gracious to Abram even though he makes a mistake even though he rushes ahead uh, God still uh, uh, determined to fulfill his promise to Abram in his way. We can read about this in Genesis 17 verse 15. God comes to find Abram again. It's about 25 years later. God also said to Abram, as for Sarai your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations, king of peoples, will come from her. Then Abram fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? I mean, he'd been waiting for this promise for 25 years. Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abram said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. He's thinking, if God just blesses my solution. Ishmael was around age 12, 13 around that time and then God said yes but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him Ishmael would be blessed but he was not the fulfillment of the promise that God had made it was a man-made solution and God was not into man-made solutions he wanted to bring a God solution you see Bringing a child into Abram's life would not take long for God. The fulfillment of that promise of offspring would only take nine months. 
But for Abram to become the hope of all nations would take much longer. You see, ultimately, it took 25 years for the seed of faith to be birthed in Abram that will bless the whole world. Because ultimately, from Abram would come a whole nation. And out of that nation would come a Messiah. God would promise to fulfill his promises, not just to Abram, but to the whole world. Now, at first we can see he delivers his promise to Abram. We can read about this in Genesis 21, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abram in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. And Abram gave him the name Isaac, the son that Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abram circumcised him as God commanded him. Abram was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. And Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said that Abram and Sarah would nurse children? Yet I am born in him, born him a son in his old age. God was up to something. He wanted to fulfill the promise to Abram in only the way that he could. Age a hundred years old, Abram would become a father. Age 90, Sarah would become a mother. God wanted to do something impossible and show that Abram's faith would not be in vain. And ultimately, out of that faith would come the Messiah, Jesus. Jesus was born. Now think of Jesus. Jesus was the son of God, and yet he allowed himself to be greatly limited, to be born as a helpless baby in this world. For 30 years, he did nothing significant. He just grew up. He was a child, became a carpenter, and we can see he did no miracles. He waited God's timing. Then when he gets baptised, we get our hopes up. But first he's led into the desert to be tempted by Satan. And Satan is trying to tempt Jesus. See, take all the promises that God has given you. Take it, take it now. Do it my way. Bow for me and I will give you the kingdoms of the world. And, and Jesus was unlike Abram. He didn't birth an Ishmael. He didn't press ahead of God. And he said, no, I will wait on God. And throughout his ministry, we can see that time and time again, he walks away from success to the great frustration of his disciples. His disciples thought that bigger, faster and better certainly would be a great kingdom they would want to be part of. But Jesus had something different in mind. And at the very end of his life, it seemed like his life had totally failed. Just like Abram's life had seemed fruitless up to the point of 100 years old. We can see that Jesus at the end of his ministry dies on a cross. The Romans are still in power. He's defeated by the Jewish religious leaders. It seemed like the world is greatly untouched by his presence by then. And we can see as he hangs on the cross, overcome by the powers of darkness, so it seems, he is dying. And yet he allows himself to be limited by God in his suffering. He embraces the suffering and the limits and he, he gives up his spirit in the hands of the Father. And then we can see that through this trust and obedience, a miracle is birthed. The seed of faith is birthed in Jesus. And this ultimately came out of Abram and will be a blessing to the whole world. Now, for those who put their faith in Jesus, we are credited as righteous. And that's exactly what Abram was credited with. In Hebrews, we can see that his faith was credited to him as righteousness. And it was that faith that continued to be the saving factor of the people of God. And ultimately, through Jesus, everyone who comes to God and puts his trust in Jesus is saved through that same faith.
faith. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, put your faith in God. And make sure that you don't let today pass on without choosing to follow him, to become a follower of Jesus, to learn how to become deeply changed in your walk with him. It is so worth it. If you have already done that, we have a whole lifetime of learning how to wait on God, to trust him, to embrace limitations and to learn how to become more like him. Now, how can we do that? First of all, when we go through seasons of limitations, stop pushing, stop charging on, stop coming up with strategic, creative plans to come up with solutions. Just stop. Learn how to surrender to God in your limitations. Embrace God. Embrace that you don't have all that it takes, but God does. Embrace the fact that he is your saviour. Learn how to wait on God. God wants to birth something in you, a deeply changed disciple that will bring his message to the world. He's not He's not, he's not just focused on solving your problems. He wants to birth something great in you, that same seat of faith. And then finally, start looking at what he's birthing in you. Keep holding on to those hopes, but start looking at what he's birthing in you and partner with him to allow yourself to become the seed of faith to the world. Our world so desperately needs people who can wait on God, who don't need bigger, better, faster now who can wait on God and receive in faith what he has for us so that the whole world will be blessed. Let's finish in prayer together. Father, we thank you that you have given us the wonderful gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you that he is the saving grace of this world. And we want to embrace the limitations that you have placed in our lives to learn how to trust you more to let that seed of faith be birthed in our hearts so it will be a blessing to those around us, to us and to the whole world. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Walter. Thank you, God, that um, we can praise you. Thank you, God, that we have been able to worship you this morning. Thank you, God, that you have spoken to us this morning um, through through contributions and through Valter's word. I thank you, God, that you are so present um, in our meetings. Lord, you, there's nothing that can stop you. You are so great. Um, so, Lord, I pray that you will be with us as we continue in our weeks. Um, by your spirit, lead us. Amen. I hope you've had a great morning um, this morning. It's been so good to, to see all your faces, your happy faces on this Sunday morning. We'll see you again next week um, at 10.15 um, uh, to say hi to a few faces. So have a great week, everyone. <laughs>